This is the third message on false worship. And uh, we discovered out of Leviticus chapter 10, uh, the strange fire that Nadab and Abihu offered, uh, attempted uh, to offer to the Lord uh, there and were consumed by the fire of the Lord. Uh, both of the sons of Aaron, uh, they drug out of the uh, tabernacle uh, by their coats. Very tragic uh, event in Israel's history there in the wilderness. Last week, we went back to the wilderness, Exodus chapter 32, and uh, discovered the uh, golden calf that was uh, fashioned by the graving tool of Aaron, and the people worshipped that uh, calf. In fact, a proclamation was made by Aaron in Exodus 32 that uh, the golden calf was indeed uh, God, and the God that brought them out of the land of Egypt, and that was proclaimed, and then, of course, they worshipped it, and they brought uh, the judgment of God on them. It was the time of provoking. The Bible calls and references later in Israel's history a time that they provoked me to jealousy. There's two major events that happened in the wilderness years that provoked God to, uh, uh, to anger and brought judgment on the children of Israel. I mentioned in both sermons that some of the harshest punishment in the Bible are found in corrupt worship services. And uh, that is a consistent uh, uh, theme throughout the scripture. And this is no different. What we're going to see here, in fact, the judgment comes later, but they were under pronounced judgment. They were going to be judged for what they were going to do here. That is going to, if you would continue a course, uh, down through this history that is going to bring a horrible, horrible set of circumstances to the nation. First Kings chapter 12, verse 25, uh, and I'll give you the background to this in just a little bit, some of you that are probably new to the Bible, uh, and so you can kind of understand the context. Verse 25, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein, and went out from thence and, bent and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people return unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Almost a direct quote from Exodus 32. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he set in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing under the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priest of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the 15th day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he offered upon the altar the burnt incense. You pray with me and for me this morning. Father, thank you for the service today. Thank you, Lord, for the attentiveness this morning to Scripture. Uh, many have come in from around the county today to come to church, and we thank you for the building that you've given us. Thank you for the visitors that are here this morning. I do pray you touch their hearts. May they feel not only welcomed by us, but, uh, Lord, they are certainly welcomed by the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for that. And, God, I do pray that you would touch our hearts. I pray if there's one that does not know where they're going to go, if they were to die this morning, this afternoon, that, Lord, they would be in heaven. And thank you, Lord, for, again, a story, Lord, this morning that is so uh, telling of our nation and where we're at today. And I pray that you touch hearts today. Warn us out of the scriptures this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would please... Uh, find that place there and uh, hold it and go back, uh, make, actually make a right there and go to the book of Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah chapter 14, kind of build, if you would, a backstory to this, uh, Isaiah chapter 14. If you're in discipleship, we do cover some of these verses and, uh, it kind of goes to the backstory of where Lucifer, uh, came from or the devil, 
uh, the, the tempter, Satan. Uh, and there's a question here uh, that, uh, or a statement in verse number 12 of Isaiah 14. Watch here. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Uh, how art thou cut down to the ground? Now watch this phrase here, which didst weaken the nations. Now on this note here, Satan or Lucifer uh, is in the business of, of deception. The Bible calls him a murderer, a murderer from the beginning. Uh, he is a liar. Uh, he is cruel. Uh, the Bible re- refers to Satan as a, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan looks for people, looks for families to devour, devour their testimony, devour their lives, uh, devour their happiness, devour their peace, devour their joy, um, and just ruin them. That's Satan's desire individually on family levels. And so, dads, please note that your family is, uh, is uh, under an attack. Your family is being, if you would, hunted by by the lion, Satan. And uh, he, he walks about seeking. So he's looking, he's seeking, he's prowling individually for families, for individuals, for pastors, for deacons, for Sunday school teachers, for individuals, teenagers. But on, a, on, the, on one personal level, he's after. But he does also work to weaken nations. He desires to weaken nations. He has been weakening nations down through the centuries. Nations that used to be strong are no longer strong. Uh, nations that used to uh, preach the gospel no longer preach the gospel. He is in the business of nationally weakening nations. And I think we all know that this morning, that our nation has become weak. Our nation is weakening. That's a satanic, uh, if you would, infiltration uh, to our nation. And he does do that. And he's effectively succeeding uh, at weakening our nation. Our own president this morning on a physical level is in the hospital. And our nation is in a state of somewhat distress right now. And uh, the next 24, 48 hours is going to be very telling uh, to what uh, his condition will be. And it's going to be even more difficult in the next 7 to 10 days. Uh, but, uh, you know, of course, our, our president is not our God. But I will say this, that our president is a representation of the, of the, uh, of the majority that brought him into office uh, four years ago. And God, uh, rather Satan, loves to destroy and weaken nations. And he's no different today than he was uh, back in the 800 B.C. when he was attempting uh, to weaken the nation of Israel. Look back, if you would, in 1 Kings chapter 12. Uh, go to chapter 14 quickly and note here one verse, and then we'll go back to chapter 12. Okay? Chapter number 14, verse number 16. The Bible says, and he shall give, is, uh, give uh, Israel up, this is God, because of the sins of who? Jeroboam, who did what? Sin, and who made, watch this, Israel to sin. So Israel, the nation of Israel, okay, has been weakened and brought into sin because of Jeroboam. Are you all with me so far? Now, go back to chapter 12. Look, look what happened here. And by the way, uh, idolatry, materialism, idolatry always weakens nations. Always. False or corrupt worship weakens nations. And I, I'm, I'm saying this because uh, the Lord really put on my heart and has burdened my heart about this today. Uh, to, to, I, and I, of course, I don't have a national voice. I have a little voice uh, that goes out beyond this, these four walls to uh, some other folks that watch. But uh, it would be wonderful for the for God's people across this land to wake up to true worship, uh, to wake up to the, uh, to the understanding that there is corrupt worship, and corrupt worship uh, is tied to the weakening of a nation. The corrupt worship here in Exodus chapter, rather, uh, into uh, 1 Kings chapter 12 started a downward spiral to the nation of Israel, and it, and it finished with the Assyrian Empire coming in and destroying uh, the remnant that w- w- was left. But in this time in, in Israel's history, uh, they were blessed by the Lord. This is an amazing time. A little background here. You find uh, from King Saul to uh, King Solomon, we had about 120 years uh, under a, a monarch unity, if you would. They were, they were under, if you would, somewhat of a uni- unified uh, nation under 12 
tribes. The nation, nation of Israel comprised of 12 tribes in those days under King, da- uh, King, uh, 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 King Saul, uh, then King David. King Saul, of course, was disposed of being the king because his heart was lifted up with pride. King David was anointed by God to come in and, and, uh, and reign uh, in Saul's stead. And then Solomon, which would, David, would be David's son, reigned in David's stead. Solomon, of course, was the one, the king that was... Uh, used to uh, build the temple in Jerusalem. So we have 120 years of, of, of good times. It was a, a united monarchy. It was a wonderful time in Israel's history until Solomon dies. And Solomon dies, a man by the name of Rehoboam, which would be his son, would take uh, control of the kingdom. But there was another young politician uh, named Jeroboam who worked for Solomon while Solomon was king. And he actually was uh, uh, given over some of the, uh, the duties of, of the administrativeness of, uh, of the northern uh, of, the, of, the, of Israel. And uh, in the northern kingdom, of course, uh, uh, had to, uh, well, like there was a turning point. There was a civil war. There was a time where uh, there was going to be a division. Two tribes would stay in the southern part of Israel, uh, which would be centered in Jerusalem or Judah. And then 10 tribes, okay, 10 of the 12 tribes would follow this other young politician by the name of Jeroboam uh, to the northern part of Israel. It wasn't a civil war of, of swords and, and, and blood. It was a civil war of, of, of really politics, a division between the two tribes of the south and the 10 tribes to the north. But by the way, as you look at the future of both of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, you see drastically different uh, kings that would be coming uh, in the future years. But who is this Jeroboam? Uh, he's not related to Rehoboam. Uh, you almost think they're the Boam brothers, but they're not. Uh, Rehoboam is the son of Solomon, and the uh, son of Nabat is Jeroboam. Jeroboam's just a, he's, he's a politician. He's, uh, he's, a, he's one that would believe in social reform. And, uh, and he was the son of Nabat, according to uh, verse number one of our text. But he did work. He uh, was uh, part of the labor force uh, uh, for Solomon. And, uh, and if you examine his, uh, uh, his ideas and, uh, and you get an idea of really where we're at today as a nation and some of the things that he instituted in the northern kingdom in terms of their worship, he sort of, uh, 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 interestingly, uh, set up what was going to become the nation's standard false worship centers that were going to be set up all over the northern kingdom. But look where it starts here. And my, by the way, when I, when I mention this, he doesn't know what he's doing, Jeroboam. Uh, he has no idea that what he is about to do is going to set up almost 200 years of false worship. There were no good kings in the northern kingdom. There were no good kings in the northern kingdom. The, the northern kingdom became very much idolatrous. And, uh, and they, he, he had, could not have known what was going to come. He could not have known in 200 years the Assyrian Empire would come and destroy the northern kingdom. And he did not know that they would come and besiege Samaria. He did not know that their children would become uh, slaves to the Assyrian Empire. He could not have known that the uh, the Assyrians would intermarry their people with the people of of of, of Israel and and and, dis- and dilute that race of people uh, that they became the Samaritans in Jesus's day hundreds of years later where the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans he could not have known two hundred years of of history of prosperity that it would end one day because of what he is about to do could not have known it. But he was about to start something that would not be reversed. Look, if you would, in verse number 26. The Bible says, and Jeroboam said in his heart. So before we even get, watch this, before we even get to the calf worship in Dan and Bethel, two cities in the northern kingdom, before we even get to the priests that were set up that were not to be priests, before we even get to the high place that would be set up, it started in the heart of Jeroboam. The Bible says in verse 26, he said in his heart. So the false worship that started here, let me just say this here, uh, was a state-sanctioned religion. Jeroboam was the king, the first king of the northern kingdom. It was a state-sanctioned religion. It came from the politician 
Jeroboam. And it was interesting here that the sacrifices were always to be brought to Jerusalem. The, uh, the worship was always to be done in Jerusalem. The priests were located in Jerusalem, not in Dan, not in Bethel, hundreds of miles from Jerusalem. And, uh, and he said in his heart, man, we can't let him go down there. Uh, let's put two churches up here. I'm going to use our, 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 uh, our understanding of what it was, two temples up here. Uh, and it starts in his heart. False religion started as a thought. False religion started as a thought. Listen, false churches or false worship always starts as a thought. He said in his heart. And the, and the King James puts it this way, that it started in his heart. It's something that birthed in the very heart. So he's sitting, I don't know, in his lawn chair out on a patio. And he's thinking to himself, man, uh, I don't know what, man, I, I think this is pretty cool. I got 10 tribes. They're all following me. And uh, he's sipping at his tea. And he says, oh, wait, I got a problem. If the people in the northern kingdom go down to the southern kingdom and worship God in Jerusalem, Man, they could, they could actually go to Rehoboam and then they're going to come and kill me. Are y'all with me? And so he comes up with this idea in his own heart. Let me just say this and stop here, right here. Ladies and gentlemen, moms and dads, teenagers, watch this. There's no way that you can know the future of your life. However, you better obey God to determine what that future is. Why is that? Because the imaginations of your heart The imaginations of your heart many times can speak louder than the word of God. The imagination of his heart was so loud that it drowned out what God said. And I know about you, that has happened to us, hasn't it? To, to me, where sometimes uh, uh, something that is this overpowering as a thought is sometimes louder than the promises of God. And we listen to our thoughts Because sometimes they just become so loud, so obnoxiously loud that we don't listen to what God has to say. And they become, if you would, things that steer us, overwhelm us, fill us with fear, fill us with worry. Even though God has spoken to us and spoken about it, yet many times the voice that we have in our hearts sometimes overpowers God's word. And this is where God's word cannot get through. But your thoughts are getting through to you. You're thinking more of what you want to do rather than what God has for you to do. You don't remember what God has to say because you're thinking about your thoughts. It's a very dangerous place to be. And he could not have known what was going to happen. He could not have known that 200 years from the very moment that he's sitting in his lawn chair having a cup of tea and having a thought that is going to bring such misery and heartache to the future of the nation of Israel, those 10 tribes. But it did fly in the face of what God said. Look back one chapter, chapter 11, real quick. Chapter number 11 and verse number 31. The, 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 the prophet here is speaking to Jeroboam, Ahijah. Watch what he says. And he said to Jeroboam, take thee 10 pieces for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give 10 tribes to thee. He's talking to Jeroboam. So, so Jeroboam gets this blank check from God. I'm going to give you 10 tribes. Look at verse 35, but I will take the kingdom out of this, out of his son's hand and will give it. Unto thee, even ten tribes. Notice here that God is God is in the business of moving nations around and putting kings over nations. He is. The, the heart of the king is in the hand of God. God turneth wherever he wants to go. He, he can take a nation and give a nation a good king, give a nation an evil king. He can take a nation uh, that has a good king and remove that king uh, out of that nation or remove that president and give that nation a president that they deserve. Are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all tracking so far? Look down at verse number 37. The Bible says, and I will take thee and uh, thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth. And shall be king over Israel. Jeroboam, I'm going to give you something that you didn't deserve. You don't deserve. But I'm going to, I'm going to let you reign over 10 tribes of the nation of Israel. 12, two of them are going to stay in Judah. But I'm going to give you 10. I'm going to give you 10 of them. 
God's doing this. Verse 38. And it shall be if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee and will walk in my ways and do that do that is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as watch this David my servant did that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel unto thee how about that here is here is Jeroboam getting if you would a blank check from God you fill it out I'm going to give you 10 tribes uh just do what I say just follow what I say. These are your 10 tribes. You can, you'll be able to do this according to your desire. They're, 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 they're yours. And I'm going to bless you like I did, I did David. Jeroboam out of nowhere gets this. That's a blank check. How about that? Now, if you came to me, I said this at the 10 o'clock hour, 9 o'clock hour. If you came to me and you requested a million dollars from me, and you say, Pastor Shepard, can you write me a check for a million dollars? I would say, yes, I can write you a check for a million dollars. It's really easy to write the check. One million dollars. And now, and I have to make sure the numbers are all there and I'll sign the check and I'll give you the check. The problem comes when you go to cast a check, that thing's going to bounce all the way to fin, uh, to, uh, to Bowling Green. You're, you're, it won't cash. I have nothing to back a million dollars that you request from me. Are y'all with me? But when God writes you a check or God writes you a promise and gives you a promise, watch this, he can back it. And Jeroboam, I'm giving you 10 tribes. I'm writing you a check. This is yours. And the very next chapter, he's got a different idea. He says, whoa, I know what God said, but I, I, he's going, they're going to kill me. If they go down to Jeroboam, they're going to come up here and they're going to kill me. That's not what God said, Jeroboam. You're good. Just do right. Stay right. But his voice was louder than God's word. That's, again, I look at this. There is a certainty to this. Jeroboam already saw 10 tribes come his way. And here's what we need to ask ourselves a question. We get ourselves in a lawn chair drinking a cup of tea, which is nothing wrong with drinking tea, especially if it's sweet. And, uh, And here, are we really listening to God or are we listening to ourselves? I mean, when we listen to the news and we see what's happening in our world and our culture, we as God's people need to dig back into what he says and not follow our own thoughts. We need to be grounded, rooted, grounded in God's word. The Bible says that we're to gird our loins with truth. What does that mean? You better have repetition, repetition, repetition of God's word in you. Why? Because people live with their own thoughts. And they know not what God says about what he thinks. Number two or number three. So false worship was a state instituted religion. Number two, the false worship that would begin 200 years of idolatry started in the heart of a king. Number three, listen to this. False worship was confirmed by bad counsel. Okay. If you will look in verse number 28, chapter 12, real quick, chapter 12. So he comes up with this idea in his own heart. And the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. The Bible says, who can know it? Jeremiah. But he has to have a backup. So he brings in counselors in verse number 28. Whereupon the king took counsel. I don't know how many guys he brought in. I don't know how many ladies he brought. I have no idea. So he brings in a council. He gets a board set up. Say, guys, you are not going to believe this. I was sitting on my lawn chair. I was drinking some sweet tea. And all of a sudden I started thinking, if everyone goes down to Jerusalem to worship God, Oh, yeah, they're going to follow Jeroboam. Then they're going to love him more than me. They're going to come up and kill me. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm just thinking. We need, to, we need to come up with an idea. So the counselors come up with this great idea. Brilliant. Brilliant idea. You realize, listen to this. You realize when you have a bad idea, many times you don't go to someone that's going to say to you, that's a bad idea. You know, there's a lot of thought, man, we come up with a bad idea, and the best person we can go to is to someone that can tell us that's a stupid, bad idea. Someone that tells you that you're wrong. Why is it getting quiet in here? Is this mic on? We many times go to people that we want to agree with our bad idea. And when they agree with our bad idea, then it kind of solidifies the bad idea. Are y'all with me? Are y'all here? That's why some people don't come to the pastor after they come with a bad idea. The pastor is going to tell them what the Bible, well, hopefully a pastor will tell them what the Bible says 
That's a bad idea. Or it's a good idea. But the counselors came and said, you know what, Jeroboam, you're right. We never thought about that. Well, here's what we should do. And, of course, the whole verse kind of lays it out. They made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods. So, I don't know, maybe some guys gets up and said, you know what? I heard of a story in the Bible that they made a golden calf. Oh, yeah, I do. I, I remember that in my synagogue class. And uh, it was a golden calf. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember Aaron. Aaron, uh, who was he? Oh, he was the first priest, wasn't he? Yeah, the first priest. Uh, and he said something in the Exodus 32. Oh, yeah, he says, oh, these are your gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Are you all with me how crazy this would be? Exodus 32 is one of the most horrible events in Israel's history, and yet they're going to repeat it again. They're going to build two calves, put one in Dan, one in Bethel, two worship centers. They're going to have a Holy Grounds coffee shop as you walk in on the right-hand side. They're going to paint the ceilings black. They're going to put a golden calf in the middle, a drum set on the right side, electric guitar on the other side. They're going to jam for the golden calf. It's even getting quieter in here. I'm simply saying that he took counsel. So it came from the heart of the king, a bad idea, but it was confirmed by bad counsel. Jeroboam wanted to do something, really, despite what right was, he just wanted someone to agree with him and come up with a plan. God already laid down the prescription. God already told him what to do. He was making, he was attempting to make his own blessings. Dangerous Dangerous place to be when God's word is not enough for you. Dangerous place. So, here's a proclamation. They put it on the Samaria front front page. He comes out, I guess, to the front steps and everyone's gathered there. King's going to say something. It's CNN's covering it. Fox News is covering it. Here he is. He's about ready to make a proclamation. He says, it is too much. Because I care about you. It is way too hard for you to go to Jerusalem to worship. Yeah, you're right. That's a long way down there. It's like 200 miles down to that city. And then you got to climb up this huge hill. You're right. It is. And so we understand that. We understand that. We're, we're looking out for you. And, and we, we want your best interest. It's way too hard. Way too inconvenient for you to leave and go all the way down there. But we've got an idea. And, 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 and here, I could see almost this big old blanket, pull it off the golden calf, and da-da! Well, these be the gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And I can imagine people say, yes, great, let's do it. And they put one in Dan and then one in Bethel. Very familiar. Number four. False worship worship involved the same type of elements in Exodus 32. I asked my the 9 o'clock hour, if you want to study this word play in the Bible, when you see play or sport in the Bible, you'll find it referencing not volleyball, not nine square, okay? Not horseshoes, but sexual intercourse between male and female, in a collective effort, play. Exodus 32 tells us exactly what they did in that worship service. They were dancing. They had music that sounded like war. And they were playing, mirroring exactly what they learned in Egypt as the pagans would worship their gods. Same thing. So when those golden calves were presented to the people, this involved more than just coming with your sacrifices to a worship center in Dan. This involved more than just coming to Bethel with your sacrifices of Thanksgiving and leaven, as Amos will reference. It involved sexual deviancy in the nation of Israel. Too much to go to Jerusalem. Too hard to go down there. But stay here. we got a better plan. No one said anything. Almost an exact quotation of Exodus 32, verse number 4. 
And it regulates the same cry the apostate Israelites made in their exodus. Same cry. And I don't know how anyone could not remember what had taken place. Whatever apostasy is being pitched, many times as, as bad as it stinks, as long as it's pitched the right way, it's not questioned. It's too hard. Stay here. This is not apostasy. It's diversity. <laughs> it's you matter. <laughs> You're the most important person. Stay here. I'm providing you good alternatives to worship. And after all, Bethel is the house of bread. I mean, house of God. So it's okay. I mean, Abraham in in, in Genesis chapter 12, he met God in Bethel. So Bethel is a good place. And remember, remember Jacob, he saw Jacob's ladder in Bethel. Bethel's a great place. It's a religious place. So we just could put this golden calf right there and it's good. Can I say this? There's no help in the house of God. This, This church doesn't help you. But the God that meets in this church helps you. All right. It's the God in the house, not the house of God. There's nothing wrong with the house of God as long as God's in the house. But just because I call it the house of God, call it church does not necessarily mean that God is meeting in that particular building or in those people's mists. So you can call whatever you want to call it, put a steeple in front of it. You can call yourself a church. But unless God is in the middle of that thing, you're just a bunch of people meeting to do your religious duty once a week. That's what they did. And they largely accepted this type of worship. And it violated every biblical commandment from, from, from the book of Exodus all the way down, Leviticus all the way through. Deuteronomy. Horrible. Turn to Amos real quick here. By the time you get to Amos, it's about 175 years after this. Amos is the cowboy from Tekoa. <laughs> He's a prophet from Tekoa. He is a herdsman. So Amos walks in town with a cowboy hat and a, maybe a piece of straw or a toothpick in his mouth. And, uh, and he begins to cry against the southern kingdom, the two tribes in the southern kingdom. And he begins to address them the first couple of chapters, about 10 or 11 years of, 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 of rebuking the southern kingdom. Then he moves up north and it begins to rebuke those in north. Now think about this. At this time in Israel's history, things are thriving. This is a busy time. They have prosperity. People got money. In fact, you find that they had summer houses. They had winter houses. They had, they had, they had multiple vehicles or chariots and they had horses and there was just money everywhere. And the religion in there, it was like, there was a population of these golden calf centers all over the place. Again, black ceilings and drums and all this other stuff. It's just kind of there. And it went from Dan, and it went from Bethel, and it was all over. It was in Gilgal. It was throughout the entire northern part of Israel. And it's worship that would please the whims of the people. Whatever the people wanted, that's what we do. They'd enjoyed the religious pluralism. They, they enjoyed the, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the worship without God, the worship without his word. They enjoyed it. They were full-fledged into idolatry 175 years later. So here walks in Amos. And by the way, what's happening in our churches today mirrors largely what's happening here in Amos's time. How many have gold rings on? Realize James, the book of the Bible calls you rich. If you have a gold ring, (laughs) you're wealthy. Well, I don't have as much as someone else. You have, you have a whole lot more than historical in history, in the history of mankind. We're living in the lap of luxury. We are living in the lap of luxury. I had a meal last night, Gary Kramer, and you, you guys cooked that, that pork up last night. I said to the guys, I am so glad that I'm a Gentile. No dietary restrictions. He sliced off a piece of that smoked pork and I ate it. It was delicious. We enjoyed a meal yesterday. I had this morning a small meal before I came to church today. You have maybe this morning, you're living in luxury, you're living, if you would, at ease. You're at ease, the Bible says, in, in, in these days, at ease in Zion. 
The worship centers were filled with people that just loved to worship. They would bring their sacrifices of leaven, which was not commanded by God. I ask you, if you would, to, the Bible says in 1 John, to try the spirits to see if they be of God. We're instructed. Before we believe something, we need to put it on trial. There's a movement called Hillsong. Hillsong produces music for a large majority of the charismatic churches today. It's a church out of Australia. Hillsong produces a lot of the contemporary music today. You'll find another one called Elevation. One called Bethel Music. I mentioned this several weeks ago. Bethel Music has a ministry, a, uh, a school for the prophets. It's a school of mystical prophecy. I started digging into Bethel Music and this school of prophecy that they have. It's nothing more than demonology. If you look at the lyrics of their songs, you don't have a lot of, if you would, big red flags. But when you get into their school of theology and what they teach, there's a lot of red flags. Real doctrinal issues and, frankly, demonic activity. <laughs> Satan would love to hear have you sing a spiritual song if he teaches some demonic or demonology. He'd love to have you sing, even about God. Christ culture is another one. So when you're singing a song, say, listen, before I sing the rest of the song, let me look it up on my, my handy dandy iPhone and find out who wrote this song and where it came from, who produced this. You'll find either the Hill Song, Elevation, Bethlehem Music, or Christ culture. And as I mentioned, idolatry always weakens a nation. Always. So Amos comes on the scene, chapter 5. Watch what it says here in verse number 1. Amos 5. Are you all there? I gave you plenty of time to find that little book. <laughs> I go left and right, left and right till I find it, okay? Amos 5, verse number 1. Hear ye this word which I take up against you, even a what? Lamentation, lament, cry, weep. How many have ever thought about that in your own nations right now, where we're at? Weeping for your nation, lamenting over your nation. Many of us that grew up in the 80s are like, man, it was a great day to, lie, to be alive. We were talking about this last night. And uh, so in reference to 60s, those 60 people, they were weird, man. I mean, they were, they were on LSD. They were all kinds of stuff back in the late 60s. Somebody just offended you, all right? The hippies of the 60s. We come into the 80s, man. We didn't have any wars. We had a lot of prosperity. Then we hit the 90s and now the 2000s. 2020 is a year that we will never forget. It's a crazy time in our history. We ought to be lamenting. Amos is for the house of Israel. The virgin of Israel is fallen. She is shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. Can you watch, watch this? Can you imagine if God forsook us upon our land? And by the way, he has every biblical right to do so. Forsake us. He can turn his back on us. He can shut the water supply off. Verse number six, three, uh, for thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave a hundred. And that which went forth by a hundred shall leave the ten to the house of Israel. In other words, there's a population decrease. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, seek ye me and ye shall live. You realize this at any time in judgment, people can come back to God. They can come back to God. Seek him. Come back. Come back. Hey, your presence in the hospital. Come back to me. Hey, your economy is about to crash. Come back to me. Hey, you're going to lose some jobs. Come back to me. Hey, the rain may not come this year. Come back to me. Hey, you may suffer a lot of loss. Come back to me. At any time in judgment, God always instructs and wants his people to come back. Look at verse 4. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, seek, me, seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not what? Bethel. Don't go to Bethel. Nor enter in, into, into Gilgal and pass unto Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. So here's Amos saying, God's going to judge you. 
God's going to judge you. And you find that this worship became the mega churches in the north. You pretty much go anywhere and find it. Look in chapter 4, verse number 4. Watch what it says here. Chapter 4, verse number 4. Say, Pastor, did the people know what they were doing? You bet they knew what they were doing. (laughs) They knew what they were doing. Look at verse number 4. Come to what? Bethel. Amos 4.4. And what? Isn't that interesting? Come to church and sin. That's what, that's, that's what he said. Come, come to church. Come to Bethel. We've got the golden calf. We've got the worship center going on. Come and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply thy transgression and bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. And offer sacrifice of thanksgiving with what? Leaven. Leaven was never commanded to be, uh, be brought into as a sacrifice. Notice they just love to thank the Lord. They come with their thanksgiving offering. Just want to thank the Lord. They did. And it goes on here and proclaim and publish the free offerings. Make sure everyone knows what you're giving. For this liketh you. You kind of like this, don't you? You know what God does sometimes? He just rubs our face in it. You like this. This is what you want. Then he says in verse number six, and I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in your places. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And also I withhold in the rain from you when there was yet Three months to the harvest. Bad time, not to rain. And I cause it to rain upon one city and cause it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. And so verse 8, so two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith you always see this? Every stage of judgment, there's always an invitation. I believe this 2020 will go down in history and I believe we got a nine 11. We have a 20, I mean, we have all kinds of times in recent history that has been wake up. I really believe that. I think, I think nine 11 was a wake up time. And I think we've had wake up times through these last 20 years, but 2020 is interesting. It's always something different, something new, a new low, so to speak. And as I mentioned in Isaiah 14, the weakening of a nation is a satanic effort. He weakens nations. He weakened Israel by a king having an idea in his heart to create a different type of worship. A worship that was not instructed by God and a worship that would be part of Israel's culture for over 200 years. I read this morning where ISIS has infiltrated some African countries and now not even being reported, thousands of people already been killed. Sex slaves have been kidnapped. Atrocities are taking place right now. I was in a museum back in 2014 in Paris, Natural History Museum, now actually in, uh, in London, in Britain, London. And they had some of the artifacts from Nineveh. And I started looking at these carved rocks that they had preserved, found, preserved, and put up. And it was the Assyrians who had heads of people that they killed and conquered on staves. They were in their military garb. They had people chained to chains around their neck. These are carved, preserved images taken from Assyria. I thought to myself, that is is present-day ISIS. Right now. When they came in and destroyed the northern kingdom 200 years after the stupid idea from the king. 
They beheaded. They filleted alive people. They put them on staves, hung up in their cavities for the sun to kill them. Horrible brutality. A weakened nation. A nation that did not see God. A nation that started an institution of worship that was not according to scripture. It was blatantly against it. And no one said a thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I got one voice. That's all I have. But I'm saying that by the time Amos comes, judgment was now being pronounced and it was almost over. I don't know how much longer that we have, but I would say this. We, God's people, ought to want to go to a church that humbles us. We all we want to go to a place of worship that corrects us. We ought we to go to a place where we're being taught the whole counsel of God. We ought to go to a place of worship that when we leave, it causes us to look up to the God of heaven and wait for his return. We ought to go to a place where we're being instructed and trained to go out and make disciples. Bethel, Dan, Gilgal, Beersheba, worship centers, golden calf worship all over the place, but they were serving the needs and wants and whims of the people and flew very, very harshly in the face of Almighty God. Come to church and transgress. Come to church and feel happy. Come to church and have all your felt needs met. Come to church. You won't experience any guilt. Come to church and we'll cheer you up. Come to church and we'll cater to you. Come to church. We won't say anything about the word of God. Come to church. We won't say anything about his holiness. Come to church. We won't preach repentance. Come to church. We'll talk about heaven, but we definitely will not talk about hell. Come to church and transgress. But God interpreted this as just blatant idolatry. Again, the harshest forms of punishment in the Bible involved corrupt worship. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I would say to you, yes, the the time is close and short. The Bible says there's going to be a great falling away. Men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, truce breakers, incontinent. They can't even control themselves. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, heady. You ever talk to someone that's heady? They got all the, they got all the answers. Heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. From such, turn away. Turn away. God pronounced judgment. And so we don't have to be a part of that. Amen? We don't have to be a part of that. We could be biblicist, Bible-centered worship of God. Not only when we walk into this building, it's amazing how many people say, well, I'm going to be Christ-like when I get in that building. (laughs) But on Monday, man, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to talk like I want to talk. I'm going to treat my wife like I want to treat her. I'm going to do... We're talking about, listen, God's people being different, peculiar. Amen? In a midst of a, who is it, crooked and perverse nation. Whoa! That verse just came to my mind. And we are perverse today. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, okay, you got us. It's not me about getting you. It's about the word of God correcting us. Be very careful on what you accept as worship. Be very careful what ideas you have while you sit in your lawn chair drinking your sweet tea full of fear. 
Be careful on who you surround yourself with, who counsels you. Be careful because why? There's a future generation. The Lord's returning. I understand that. And his, his return is close. But there are future generations. Even after his return, there's people who are going to be living. Ladies and gentlemen, as God's people, let's be a place. Let's be a place where our worship is right with the Lord. Our worship is consistent with the scripture. Not pushing in the whims and desires of people. But if you hear, you say, Pastor, if I died, I got a question. I don't know where I'm going to go. And I'd like to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. If that's you this morning, let me take a Bible and show with you that Jesus loves you and he died for your sin 2,000 years ago. He provided a way for you to worship God in truth and in spirit. You know what's interesting is that when Jesus died on the cross, three amazing events took place at the very moment he said it is finished. The Bible says the graves of them that slept arose and appeared unto many. That means people came out of the graves after his resurrection. That's interesting. The second event is that there was a ceasing of three hours of darkness. There was a weird darkness over the entire world for three hours from 12 to three in the afternoon while Jesus was hanging on the cross. It is finished earthquake. And the Bible says the veil of the temple, which was about 42 feet tall, 24 foot wide that separated the holy place from the most holy place inside the temple in Jerusalem. The Bible says was rent from top to bottom. Bottom. <laughs> so the priests come in the next day, say, what happened? Watch this. That veil is four inches thick, leather entwined together. No impossible way to rip that apart. It was God saying, I want you to come to me now. I come to me. You can worship the God, God of the universe in truth and in spirit. This Bible says that Father seeketh such to worship him. He's looking for true worshipers. True worship. You can come to Jesus Christ and be a child of the living God and be saved. The Bible says you must be born again.